Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. I got to be honest with you, I think our realities today are riddled with noise, loud noise, people screaming, hollering, look over here, look over there, don't look where I don't tell you to look, hide, hide. Oh my gosh, we have so many diversions, so many different things pulling at us. And then on top of that, we have Christmas. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live Thursday. We have Friday, Saturday, and then it's Christmas Day. What do you think about Christmas and New Year's Day being on Sunday? For people that work, it's not really good. They would rather it be on Monday or Tuesday or some other day of the week. Saturday and Sunday, they're already off work. Well... You know what? Every seven years you get your wish, right? Whatever day you want it to be on, you get your wish. And it's Sunday. So why don't we do this in preparation for all the celebration, all the great food, gift opening. Oh, my gosh. Kids this time of year, their favorite time of year. Santa's coming. Santa's coming. But you know what? Many of us have lost the true meaning of the season. In fact, I hate to say it, but I think most of us have. What began, what was the instigation of the very first Christmas, the modern-day Christmas like we celebrate it? Well, it's the same thing that began the celebration of Christmas for the last couple of thousand years. Something big happened that day. What could it be? Well, we know what it was, the birth of Christ. Now, whether he was born on December 25th or not, doesn't matter. We recognize December 25th every year as the day that Jesus was born. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to celebrate a lot of things. I'm going to celebrate my family. I'm going to celebrate the day, celebrate my health. Celebrate the fact that at 69 years old, I'm still getting up every morning and being productive. And five days of the week, I'm productive with you. And I really like that. But celebrate. That's what we're going to do. I encourage you to find ways and things to celebrate instead of concentrating on the tough circumstances you may find yourself in. But let's all begin together, not just Christmas Day, but every day during this Christmas season, and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. Angels we have heard on high. 
and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains, Gloria in excelsis Deo, sounded like a celebration, (laughs) and that's what I'm all about this uh, Christmas season. You know, lots of good things happen at Christmas. Lots of bad things happen at Christmas, and lots of good things and bad things happen to all of us. So what do we do? Got a bad thing that happens? Just put your head down. Keep on trucking. Do the best that you can do in the circumstances you find yourself in. Not just today, December 22nd, but every day of the year. If you're going to let circumstances devour you, there's nothing anybody can do for you. But if you look at the circumstances and you speak to the circumstances that are bad, literally speak to them. Don't let them destroy your life. Don't let them direct your life. Don't let circumstances make all of the decisions that you need to make for you. Find what's best for you and make the choices in the circumstances that are best for you every day. It'll all work out. Let me give you an example. 1969, on this day, December 22nd, 1969, my dad My dad, who I loved and adored, he's since passed away, but he walked out. He left, mom and I, my older brother was already gone, he was in the Navy, living in a little town, Franklin, Louisiana, way down south, 
hardly 5,000 people live there. I think it's probably closer to 2,500 or 3,000. And he left mom and I. Think about that. (laughs) I was 16 years old, a teenager, in the late 60s. There was so much going on in life in the United States that we've all moved through. Think about it. We were just finishing up Vietnam. People were still being drafted in 1969. And all kinds of consternation going on. Illegal drug use had begun. Young Americans living in hippie communes. There was some great music. And don't get me wrong. There were some great circumstances back then. But as a 16-year-old kid... It destroyed me. It rocked my world. But you know what? Looking back now on it, all those years ago, how many years ago was that? 1969 to 2022. I can't even figure it out. 43 years maybe? Something like that? A long time. All those years ago. I never would have thought I would be sharing this day, this morning, in this format with you. And everything hasn't been perfect in my life. I've had ups and downs. We all have ups and downs. We all have negative circumstances. But you know what? Our days, our circumstances, we don't have to let them be negative. We can change the narrative. You control that. I'm not diminishing any hardships that you're facing. I'm not diminishing any circumstances that you find yourself living in today that are less than what you desire. But what I'm saying, don't get stuck where you are. Don't do it. There's no reason to do it. Just pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and who will forget Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez? She actually, in the House chamber, she took to task picking up yourself up by your bootstraps. And you know how she did it? She said, it's physically impossible to pick yourself up. <laughs> Why get caught in the circumstances of our lives when you don't have to? So enough for that. Oh, if I forget, Merry Christmas. Hey, what monsters do we need to weigh in on today? There are some big ones out there. This pending omnibus bill, we all need to know everything going on about that. We're going to wait into that. You're going to hear from some quote-unquote experts. Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, he spoke to the full Congress last night, and he was there making a case for guess what? More support. Thank you, United States of America. But we need more from you. Mitch McConnell, earlier this week, Mitch McConnell, minority leader in the Senate, he actually stated the most important thing for the United States of America and the American people is Ukraine. I don't know about that. (laughs) I know That's not the most important thing to me, Ukraine. I look at the United States of America today, my country, my home. I look at an invasion at the southern border. I look at unbelievable inflation 
that is just exacerbated by our government spending money that we don't have. That's what makes inflation. So we've got that big monster out there. We have the southern border. We also have Ukraine and the circumstances surrounding our support and literally what's going on in Ukraine. And we're going to weigh into all of them, all of them. But the one I want to start with is the 900-pound gorilla in the room today, and it's the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Now, I've got some things I'm going to say about it. But I want some of the other people, some of the experts, some people with maybe different perspectives about it than you and I. I want you to hear from them this morning. Ben Dominique, he's a guy in Washington, D.C. and media that I really, really like. Ben weighed in on this omnibus bill and asked this question. Where are the Republicans on this? Ben Dominich joining me now. Uh, Ben, one of your former colleagues, Molly Hemingway, put out a Twitter challenge saying, what's the single best achievement of Senate Republicans over the past two years? Kind of hard, hard to think of one, isn't it? Well, I think that obviously the most significant achievement that they had were the things that didn't happen, things that are likely to happen now that you have actual 51 uh, control for the Democrats uh, before you know you didn't have the kind of powers that they're going to have in, in committees and that kind of thing. So it's kind of, uh, you have to make the case for a negative. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, the best thing that they've been able to achieve basically is rolling back the vaccine mandate in this latest uh, NDA for the uh, members of the military. Uh, and of course, I think the the kind of uh, steps that have been taken as it relates to China, for instance, the most recent one being, you know, Senator Josh Hawley's bipartisan effort to remove TikTok from government phones. Right. Those are kind of, I mean, that's pretty small beer. It's incidental, and it's one of yeah. these situations. Compare, yeah, compare, that to a, compare that to a $1.7 trillion spending package, which Mitch McConnell said was a great success. He said that yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, a lot of Republicans are just shaking their heads saying this really pulls the rug out from under, under the question of what Republicans stand for. Well, you know, you just saw, I mean, as, as much as the midterms disappointed a lot of Republicans, uh, you just saw them take back the House and you also saw them have uh, enormous advantages when it came to the overall popular vote, you know, just in terms of the millions and millions of, of Americans who came out and voted Republican uh, in this past election. Is this what you think they actually wanted, Mitch McConnell? Because I sure don't. No, and I don't think that a lot not. of other people on Capitol Hill, certainly on the House side, believe that that's true. And they're even going whole in on, on these uh, these, this pork barrel spending. I mean, you have Senator Shelby getting over $600 million for these vanity projects that taxpayers in places like New York and Iowa are paying for. Yes, and I think that one of the things that we need to keep in mind here is that Shelby, like so many of the other members who are voting on this, is headed for the exits. Uh, and, you know, he gave a comment a couple of uh, weeks ago about how, you know, he needed to make sure that he got enough in this final package for himself, meaning things that he wanted. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that I think... It's not his money, though. It's, it's stuff that he wants, time. but it's, it's not his it's money. It's not his money, yes. I mean, it's just, it's just not right. That's what Republicans used to stand for. You can't spend other people's money so casually as Republicans themselves are now doing in the Senate. Quickly, I want to switch to Zelensky, who's going to be in Washington. Uh, He's going to be meeting with the president. Then he's going to have an address to Congress. Uh, Clearly, he's looking for more money, even though 
100 billion is how much the total if the omni bill passes that's how much he's going to be getting this year that's more than 10% of our entire military budget i know it's an important cause but is that too much well, I think uh, the timing of this is really bad for a number of reasons. A lot of members uh, are surprised by it, including senators who are headed out of town to avoid the bad weather that's coming through. Um, and so it was really sprung on people, I think, by uh, Speaker Pelosi in an un unfortunate way. The other thing is Americans are really tired of the amount that we're spending on this war vis uh, versus our uh, European allies, where this is in their neighborhood. They ought to be doing more to pay their fair share and while it's nice to see, you know, Zelensky and say, uh, hey, you know, uh, we appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, I also think that this is poorly timed and not something that really reiterates that we have the interests of the American consumer at heart, which ought to be the priority for members of Congress right now. Bingo. I think you're right on. Ben Dominich, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Dominich is pretty much always right on. And uh, he's one of those people. He doesn't get caught up in the clutter. He goes right to the heart of the matter, and uh, he's a truther. He's somebody out there that digs, and he finds facts. And he's very, very uh, conscious of everything going on. After all, you live in Washington, D.C. You're immersed in politics every day. Everything is pretty much about politics and what's going on in the world around them. Well, Negotiations surrounding that big omnibus bill, $1.7 trillion spending package. Overnight, they stalled in the Senate. Now, how could that happen? We were told they voted to move it over to the House for the House to finish it up and then come back after the House approves it, come back to the Senate, and they would just, a cursory thing, you know, take a formal vote and get it passed and signed into law before the Democrats lose the House of Representatives. That happens on January 3rd. We're really close to January 3rd, folks. Senator Mike Lee from Utah, a Republican, he put a wrench in the process of passing this omnibus bill, leading some senators to reportedly talk about Justin short-term funding bill instead, a continuing resolution. So what is Mike Lee's beef? Title 42. Title 42. Now, we all know that's an immigration policy that makes it easier for the government to send border crossers back instead of letting them just squat all across the United States. Title 42 was put together by Donald Trump when he was in the White House at the beginning of the pandemic, and it was structured so that we didn't have any idea. Our officials in government, our immigration folks, they didn't have any idea of the medical status of any of these people coming in. And so we needed for the protection of the nation to get these people out before they get in the nation and spread whatever they have, if they have stuff. So when that was implemented, it was kind of like a double whammy because it not only made sure people weren't coming in that were sick, but it simply gave the government the right to send them back to their nation of origin and then start over again in their quest. Well, what happened? You know what happened. 
people quit coming. They didn't want to come over and then be pushed back across the border. And so Title 42 was set to expire on the 21st, yesterday. Supreme Court stepped in and they did a temporary pause, but it's still there. It's still there. Following an emergency application filed by 19 Republican-led states, Chief Justice John Roberts halted the lower court's order that was to end Title 42. It leaves the program's fate in the federal court's hands. Senator Lee's Title 42 amendment, it ties funding for Homeland Security's Office of the Executive Secretary to the Biden administration. It ties it to keeping Title 42 in place. So what does that mean? Well, it means if we are going to allow Title 42 to stop, then the omnibus bill won't be passed. In spite of Democrat Senator Leader Chuck Schumer's hopes to bring a vote before the Senate floor on the omnibus bill by yesterday, Lee's Title 42 amendment is causing big problems in the Senate. Omnibus hits turbulence over a GOP Title 42 amendment that could pass the Senate and sink the legislation in the House. That comes from NBC. Votes are delayed, not happening tonight, last night, as expected hours ago. Senate Democrats want the vote on least Title 42 amendment to reach the 60-vote threshold before it can be included in the omnibus spending package. But Senate Republicans want the vote to pass with a simple 51-majority vote. With several Senate Democrats in support of Title 42, Lee's amendment can make it into the bill at the lower threshold, 51 majority vote. One Senate Democrat aide reportedly called Lee's amendment a poison pill that would kill the bill that's back over in the House right now. Lindsey Graham, he criticized his Democrat colleagues for failing to allow Lee's amendment a vote. It's outrageous that Senate Democrats are refusing to allow a vote on Mike Lee's amendment to extend Title 42 expulsion authority. This is Lindsey Graham. The Lee amendment is relevant to the underlying legislation and represents good policy for the United States. If this bill fails because... Mike Lee was not allowed a vote on extending Title 42. It'll be one of the lowest points in the history of the United States Senate. That's Lindsey Graham, Republican senator from South Carolina, and he's in support of the omnibus bill. You got to follow all this. Schumer warned that if no agreement was reached, he would file cloture on the omnibus spending bill, which would set up a vote for tomorrow, pushing the government funding process into next week. However, Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell has been adamant about negotiations reaching a deal before the end of the day today because he intends to be on the road going home on December 23rd. Listen to that. 
This is a $1.7 trillion billion, $1.7 trillion funding bill. It is packed full of pork and all kind of special interest spending. And I would say that less than half of it should even be considered. And Mitch McConnell, his concern is, well, we need to get it passed because I need to go back to Kentucky. Yesterday, McConnell reminded reporters about his upcoming December 22nd deadline, telling one that tomorrow when she asked if his deadline still stood, and he doubled down on today, this was yesterday when he said that, with Mike Lee's 42, Title 42 Amendment derailing negotiations at the last minute, there's reportedly growing talk on the Hill about just doing a continuing resolution to fund the bill until February. Now, what that does, folks, you know what it does. The House, the new House, Republican-controlled House of Representatives, they swear in January 3rd. So this bill is dead. It won't even be considered. And so then what happens? We've got to fund the government, so they're going to have to go to work. The House and the Senate are going to have to go to work and make it a legitimate piece of legislation. You remember I talked to you the other day about regular order. I explained how it works. This bill, if it was done in regular order, it would have been begun discussions and debating and looking into and preparing and amendments and all that kind of stuff at the latest in September. But they waited. The Democrats waited and waited and waited. If Congress does pass this short-term CR, continuing resolution, they push it to February, it would give Republicans a big victory in the government funding negotiations as they're going to get the House back in a few weeks. Kevin McCarthy, House GOP leader now, he said the Republican the Republican caucus is on target to put this all together in the process that we just talked about, regular order, and his intentions are to kick it off in day one of the Republican House coming to order. So it's stalled now. So we have hope now. <laughs> Steve Scalise, our buddy from South Louisiana, he was on the Hannity show last night. He stated that the appropriations process needs to change so that every government funding bill is passed by the House before summer and the Senate can't wait until Christmas Eve, throw something together in this big omnibus bill where they have everything under the sun that nobody can read. Nobody's read this bill, 4,100 pages, and it was just sent out in the early morning hours, night before last. Scalise, who is the minority whip in the House, he said one of the things we've talked about is actually changing the way the entire appropriations slash budget process works. And as majority leader, I've already laid out a schedule. 
working with Representative Kay Granger of Texas, who's going to be chair of the Appropriations Committee, so that we can actually pass all of the bills through the House before summer. Get them over to the Senate. But we got to lay down a marker early in the Senate so they can do their job and not wait until the midnight hour. This has become a problem that's gone on for years now. Every Christmas, there's panic. We got to get this passed. We got to do it now. Where the Senate waits until the 30th of September, they just do continuing resolution after continuing resolution. Short-term funding bills. Because they now know they can wait until Christmas Eve. Throw something together like this big omnibus bill where they have everything under the sun that nobody can read. We got to change that way of doing business. And we have to lay that marker. This is the deadline. We have to do it. If we don't do it, we're going to spend money we don't have. The American people are not going to get what they need or what they want, and it's going to be utter chaos. That's what we're getting into every year now. Every year now. It's the same thing every Christmas. Dave Rubin, yesterday, last night, he weighed in on Chuck Schumer. Schumer is the majority leader in the Senate. You know him, Democrat from New York. Never worked in the private sector at all, but he knows all about Money, spending money. Well, Ruben talked about Schumer pushing this so quickly to try to get it passed. Here's Chuck Schumer, and Mitch is very happy to work with Chuck. It's odd. They hate each other on everything. They're always fighting. But when it comes to spending all of our money and getting us more in debt and doing things that will do no good for anyone and helping a comedian actor in Ukraine hang out with Ben Stiller and David Letterman. Then they agree and they really love each other. It's really fantastic. Here's Chuck Schumer being asked, well, could, is it possible that anyone even read this freaking thing? How is it in a a functional process to drop a 4,100 page bill this morning, expect to vote on it tomorrow? Most of Congress hasn't had a chance to review this. Look, the bill has been carefully worked on by the Appropriations Committee for a very, very long time. Uh, Most of the provisions of the bill were well known weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. And uh, getting this bill done for the American people, which really matters, is the most important thing. Yes. Everything he says is a lie. First off, this does nothing for the American people. This will make everything worse for the American people. He is not for the American people. Uh, McConnell is not for the American people. If I'm an American, you, you people have nothing to do with any of the things that I believe in. And man, the swamp has to be drained. Like They're making more of an argument for Trump than Trump can make for himself. That's really what's going on here. It's incredible what these people are doing. Uh, also, this idea that it was bounced around the Appropriations Committee so everyone knew what was in it. You know, it's funny, I, I, am a, uh, I would say I'm a fairly uh, astute person when it comes to watching the news and I pay attention to these things. I'm on Twitter. I have a phone in my hand all the time. Uh, I never saw any of this stuff. Why didn't any of this stuff get leaked? Remember when Roe v. Wade decision, that thing got leaked. We never found out who leaked it. That's kind of weird. But everything gets leaked. Everything is leaked to the New York Times. But somehow all of the spending, that didn't get leaked until they released it at 2 a.m. That's what they do. And also a 2 a.m. Tuesday release. You know who else does that? When Google and Apple update your terms of service and they tell you subtly that you're going to lose some rights or some free speech or some ability to do something or they're going to do something shady or they're going to track you, you know what time they do it? 2 a.m. on Tuesdays. That's pretty much how this thing works. 
2 a.m. on Tuesday. Kind of like that's the clock when you want to roll out some uh, very skeptical legislation. You do it at 2 a.m. Tuesday, early in the morning before anybody's up. Well, that was Reuben and Schumer. You know who Rand Paul is, senator from Kentucky. Mitch McConnell's a senator from Kentucky. I can promise you this. They don't have coffee together every day, and they and their wives don't have dinner together one night a week either. Even though they're both Republicans, Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell are on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to spending taxpayer dollars. Rand Paul, he uh, he got after it yesterday, got after the omnibus bill, got after Republicans for what they're doing or not doing in regard to the omnibus bill. He's coming up. You're going to love this. He'll be right back after these messages. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Silence. Silence. The sound of silence. (laughs) Oh, well, once again, in preparation for Christmas, I want to thank you for joining us here at TNN Live. It's special, and um, we really are appreciative that you take time out of your day to get together with us and share. Share, that's a magic word. Um, We love to hear from our listeners We'd love to hear from our readers of truthnewsnet.org. And boy, of late, if you hadn't kept up with the comments that are posted at truthnewsnet.org, people are upset. People are looking at the nation, looking at what's going on in Washington, D.C., and they just don't like it. 
They really don't like it. And they're finally putting it out there. It is unacceptable. We are not going to accept it. We're going to get into the southern border stuff in just a little bit. But I told you going into the break, Rand Paul is going nuts, absolutely nuts, about this omnibus bill and its pending status and the way it's all been handled. Pretty much what I just shared with you a few moments ago. Plus, Rand Paul always has a way to put some icing on the cake that very few people, if any, thought about. I brought with me the Omdi, 4,155 pages. When was it produced? In the dead of the night, 1.30 in the morning when it was released. Now, people argue that it's conservatives' fault. It's you don't have the Christmas spirit. Somehow you're holding up government. Well, whose job is it to produce this? The people in charge of spending. The people in charge of both of the parties. When did they know that this would be necessary? Well, it's in the law, September 30th. You got nine months, almost 10 months, to produce a plan, to have a spending plan. They weren't ready on September 30th, so they voted themselves 90 more days. They weren't ready last week either, so they voted themselves another week. And now we have it at 1.30 in the morning this morning. But what's the clamor? The clamor is to vote. Vote now. Let's get it done. Why are you standing in the way of spending? Well, the real question is this. What is more dangerous? What is more dangerous to the country? $1.1 trillion in new debt, or as Republican leadership likes to say, oh, but it's a win. It's a big win. We're getting $45 billion for the military. So which is more important? Which threatens the country more? Are we at risk for being invaded by a foreign power if we don't put $45 billion into the military? Or are we more at risk by adding to a $31 trillion debt? I think the greatest risk to our national security is our debt. The process stinks. It's an abomination. It's a no-good, rotten way to run your government. You know, what's interesting is that Mitch McConnell, as you know, is from Kentucky. Rand Paul, as you know, is from Kentucky. I have a feeling these guys don't have dinner that often. Um, yeah, everything that Rand Paul said there is true. The way they frame everything, the time they have to do it, and then they try to jam it through, and nobody's read it, and they send it to you late, and all of that stuff. You know, I, I obviously I like Rand Paul a lot, and I, I saw him in D.C. a couple weeks ago, and we interviewed him again. Um, it's interesting because, and I've sort of tried to say this to him sometimes, it's like he's kind of like the sane guy who accidentally got thrown into the mental institution, right? So everyone in D.C., Republicans too, they're all just awful. Everyone does all the wrong things. Like, they just don't care. Nobody, Nobody's willing to take the slings and arrows. And I'm talking at the federal level because obviously I'm not talking about the state level where there are good things working, Florida, Florida. Um, but he's the guy who they accidentally admitted to the mental institution. And he's trying to tell everybody, guys, guys, I'm not supposed to be here. There, there's ways better. We can do this thing. We don't have to drug everybody. We should try some other therapies. And there's, you know, okay. And I know this guy's talking to himself and this guy's whatever. And but, and, and he just, but he, he's a glutton for punishment. But he's, he's basically like one man standing there as the tide gets higher and higher going, guys, we're, we're all going to drown soon. Does anyone, anyone want to get some flip-flops or what do they call those things? Little, little things that go on the kids' arms. Not little floaties. Thank you. Uh, here, here's a picture that Rand Paul tweeted out. That's the size of the bill, 4,155 pages. Nobody has read that freaking thing. You know, when this kind of stuff comes up, 
I begin to look around and see what other people involved in it are saying. Now, if you're conservative like me, you're going to be plugged into principally the Republican Party and the way that Republicans in Congress, in this case, in the Senate, and of course the House is coming up, but you look at what everybody thinks about it, and when you start talking about $1.7 trillion, five years ago it was unthinkable to think about even putting a bill together that was more than a trillion dollars. I mean, that's a massive, a massive amount of money, even for the United States of America. And so flippantly, the Democrats have just thrown this thing out there, 4,100 pages, and said, hey, we're the House and the Senate, and we're in power as Democrats, and we are going to pass this and send it over to President Joe Biden, and he'll sign it into law. And it's going to happen before Christmas. And if you don't like it, tough. I mean, that's the way it it always seems to happen. So I began to look around at some of the Democrats and what some of the big shots in the Democrat Party are saying about this. And one that seems to always be on the fence on every bit of legislation is Senator Joe Manchin. I think he's the only Democrat in the state of West Virginia. He's the only Democrat in government in West Virginia. But what does he feel about this? So he was on a radio show in West Virginia yesterday, and I just happened to pick up a little bit of it. Um, The show host, I love this guy's name, Hoppy Kerchival. (laughs) Hoppy, H-O-P-P-Y. And if you listen to him, he talks like you would expect Hoppy from West Virginia to talk. Well, let me just read to you a little bit of the transcript of his get-together with uh, Senator Joe Manchin yesterday. Hoppy said, Congress is scheduled to take action on this omnibus spending bill. It's a big old bill, 4,155 pages. It's about 1,000 pages longer than the previous year. It totals $1.65 trillion. And from what I read, Hoppy said, it would add another $500 billion to the debt. You, talking to Manchin, you, many times on this program, have talked about being a deficit and debt hawk, an inflation hawk. So, will you support this bill? If so, how do you justify that with trying to be a budget hawk? Senator Manchin responded, of course, former governor of West Virginia, by the way. Manchin said, well, that's a hard one to do, isn't it? I agree with you 1,000%, but we have to get a trajectory where we have revenue that is basically outpacing our expenses, and that's not happening right now. Manchin went on. He said, West Virginia, every state's going to benefit from that, And we have what we call earmarks. Listen to this. The bottom thing about an earmark is, do myself and our state delegation, do we get to have input on this? Or basically, do you let bureaucrats do it? And I have in there about $228 million. Those dollars are coming to the state of West Virginia in different areas that we found that needed the help. 
That sometimes wouldn't get it if you let the federal government just disperse the way they've done in the past. So I'm happy about that. But on the other hand, there's just no excuse for the runaway debt that we have, and it's going to make a tremendous amount of hardships on everybody. But we have to be ready to do it because we're going to have to sooner or later. By the way, this so-called deficit, big-spending hawk, Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, he added at the end of this interview with Hoppy that he will support the omnibus and that there will be a spending showdown when the debate over raising the debt ceiling comes up. So does any of that make sense to you? Joe Manchin went through a whole diatribe of you know, we, we, we've got to stop our deficit spending. We've got to get our spending down. We've got to get our inflation down. But then he's going to vote for it. Why would he vote for it? Well, his single justification is this. There's about $228 million in earmarks in the pending omnibus bill. $228 million, which is basically... You get a check. The government of West Virginia gets a check from the federal government, $228. And they start spending that money, taxpayer money, and that means you and me money, money that we don't have. They're going to borrow $228 million more just to give to the state of West Virginia. And you can spend it however you want to. That's what this entire omnibus bill is about, spending money. It's not about spending money, good money for the American people. It's not about things like that. It's paying back the constituents in these states over which these heavyweight senators and House representatives They've got power. They have the ability to do these kind of things. So just because they can do it, they are going to do it. Let me teach you something that you need to teach your children. Just because you can do something, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Tell your kids that. Teach your kids that. Make it part of your thought process. Make it part of your kids' process. And confront the lawmakers of your state. Each state's got two senators. In Louisiana, I've got two. Both of them are Republicans. One of them doesn't act like he's a Republican, but he is. Put a call in for them. Find a phone number to text to. Call their office and say, hey, I want to send some information via text. How can I get it to you? Email it. Whatever it takes to get through. Be concise. Be specific when you talk to them about your concerns, about especially in this case, all the spending, proposed spending, spending money that we don't have. 
So much for the omnibus bill. I hope that puts it to rest. This Elon Musk Twitter thing, it's getting extraordinarily out of hand. Every time one of these dumps of the Twitter files comes out, we've got seven of them out there now, revelations are confirmed of things that many conservatives, most conservatives, have suspected for a long, long time were real. It's confirmed that they are real. And none of those are good. But something nobody's talked about in this is how this impacts Facebook. Facebook is the 900-pound gorilla in the social media world. Way, way bigger than Twitter. So the lobbying arm of Silicon Valley's tech investors, it's represented by Mark Zuckerberg. He's a billionaire, and of course, he's the founder and the leader, the big boss at Facebook. Zuckerberg admits it's extremely unlikely that an amnesty for millions of illegal aliens is going to pass in this lame duck Congress. Now, just to remind you, and if you haven't heard, listen to this. We have all these DACA recipients that are living in the United States. Many of them, many of them came from countries in Southeast Asia or people that are very well educated and knowledgeable about things in technology. And so almost every big tech company or even small tech company, and it doesn't have to be California, but most of them are based there. Silicon Valley is kind of like the hotbed of everything to do with uh, technology. They want these people to be able to come into the United States and go to work for them. Why is that? Because they are techno geniuses. They were born and immediately after being born, when they first realized they're human and live in the world, <laughs> they began to be groomed in the technology field. And so these big investors, these big lobbyists in the technology world in Silicon Valley, they're pushing to give these DACA kids, these are people that came from some of these countries and they came with their parents and they came illegally. And so they get the jobs in the United States. Some of them have green cards. Most of them do, which is a temporary way for them to be legally able to work, live and work in the United States temporarily. And so these big tech lobbyists like Mark Zuckerberg and the big, big pocketed people in Silicon Valley, they've been pushing Democrats, pushing Democrats, get these DACA people that used to be kids when they came here, get them legal, give them amnesty. And Zuckerberg basically yesterday threw in the towel for weeks. Senators Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona have floated a pan that would give amnesty to at least 2 million of these DACA illegal aliens that are enrolled and eligible for Barack Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, short for, that's long for DACA, DACA's long for that, while also opening the labor market to even more foreign competition. In other words, 
They would rather grab somebody that's got the education in big tech stuff instead of grabbing somebody that's in the United States that may have gotten some of it, but they don't have the expertise as these coming from foreign nations that have been immersed in technology. This plan that they pitched to Democrats and Democrats, they were going to try to get it uh, passed, sought to trade illegal and legal immigration expansion provisions for big pay raises for the nation's Border Patrol agents who have struggled in recent years, as we know, to deal with record-breaking illegal immigration at the southern border. So Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, she's a senator in one of the four border states, Arizona. Um, Cinema's local newspaper, the Arizona Central, reported that the plan is dead for now. Big Tech's lobbying arm, which sought to flip the Senate Republicans, is surrendering on the issue for now. Given the recent reports and developments, it seems extremely unlikely that Congress will pass protection for DACA recipients and DREAMers into law by the end of this year. That's president of FWD Forward.us, Todd Schultz. He wrote this, This is terrible, entirely unacceptable, and devastating for our entire country, but more acutely for the two million people and their millions of family members who are being failed by this country. We want to thank and commend Senator Sinema and Tillis for their serious commitment to trying to find a bipartisan compromise, pairing a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers and border security that could secure enough votes to be signed into law. This was the closest we have come to passing meaningful legislation of this nature in recent years to claim otherwise is wrong. So I don't know if you knew this, but for years, Zuckerberg's Forward.us has lobbied Washington, D.C. lawmakers to pass amnesty for millions of illegals and expand legal immigration to help corporations bring in more foreign workers. Way back in 2013, CBO, that stands for Congressional Budget Office, they analyzed and stated that the Gang of Eight amnesty plan would slightly push down wages for American workers. Another CBO analysis published seven years later, two years ago, stated that immigration has exerted downward pressure on the wages of relatively low-skilled workers who are already here in the country regardless of their birthplace. Other research finds current legal immigration in the U.S. results in more than $530 billion worth of lost wages for Americans. So what is this all about? It's real simple. They can get these immigrants to work in these jobs in Silicon Valley for less than they can get American workers that have the same education, same degrees, same titles, and these Silicon Valley big businesses, they're pushing hard. Let us get these people, get them legal, get them permanently legal. But none of those big companies, including Zuckerberg's company, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook, they don't care about that. They don't care that, as we just said, 
what has been done so far, what the government has done so far to accommodate these big tech companies has cost $530 billion to Americans in lost wages. Now, why would they do it? Why would Zuckerberg and company push for that over and over and over again? You know why. The love of money is the root of all evil. Every year, the U.S. gives green cards to more than a million foreign nationals who can eventually sponsor an unlimited number of foreign relatives for green cards themselves. That's a process known as chain migration. Nobody's talking about it now. It was front and center during the Trump administration for years. In addition to this green car process, more than a million are brought to the U.S. on temporary work visas. And they come here to do what? Take American jobs. Millions of illegal aliens are arriving at our border every year now. Many are being released into the U.S. interior where they can secure work permits. In other words, big money's been sitting up there and they have been running our immigration process. That's no lie. They have been running this part of the U.S. immigration policies and they've done it with money. Mark Zuckerberg is a prime example. They want to get these illegals that have been living here for years. Some of them came with their parents. When their parents came illegally, some of them came illegally. And some of these were brought in purposely by these big tech companies. How do they do it? They have influence in Congress with their senators and their representatives in the House by using money. And they've been pushing and getting promises from lawmakers, hey, we're going to make this DACA thing work. We're going to get amnesty for all these people. We're going to give them a pathway to citizenship. That's the talking point that people like Chuck Schumer have been pushing every two years for decades. Get them legal status. Get them citizenship status. Let them jump to the front of the line in front of all those people that have come here legally and are going through the process to legally become full-fledged citizens of the United States. All of these jobs that these foreign people have come into the nation to take, when one Silicon Valley job is given to one of these illegals, that job would have gone to an American. And many wonder why unemployment numbers are up, but unemployment claims are down. How do you, how do you process that? <laughs> the White House doesn't want to talk about Americans that aren't working. There are a lot of people that are not working that don't file unemployment. You know why? Many of them, you know, you can only be on unemployment so long, so many months. They've been on employment long enough. They get kicked off of the unemployment statistics because they're no longer, 
they can't follow or they can't uh, file unemployment claims because they're past the length of time to get those things. So what are they doing? Many of them are trying to find jobs. Many of those jobs have been taken by illegals. Many of those illegals were brought here purposely. Many of them came in with their parents illegally, hoping to get permanent status. You know, here's the sad thing about it. This is the saddest thing of all. These big tech companies, they buy politicians who write and pass legislation. And then these big-time, well-paid politicians, they go public with all of this stuff and they preach to the American people. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. We're the kindest, gentlest, most productive nation on earth and we open our doors for everybody and come. But these evil Republicans won't pass these policies that will permanently take jobs from hundreds of thousands of Americans and just immediately give the jobs to these illegals. Once illegals, and of course, they're going to ha- they're going to be able to pay them less than what they would pay these American workers. It's all about the money. And nobody, nobody can say that it's not if they do. They're lying to you. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky. Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there. With Southwest Airlines, fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old age cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is messed up. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax, extra, drinks, excludes, freezes. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. Well, here we are, a couple of days before Christmas. Have you got all your Christmas presents bought? I guarantee you. Anybody listening, I don't know who you are, but I'll bet you a bunch of money you're not through shopping. You've got more that you need to do, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to get this? What am I going to get Uncle Joe? Not Joe Biden, but a real Uncle Joe. What am I going to get Uncle Joe? He's, you know, 80 years old. He smokes a pipe. 
Uh, he's overweight, but he doesn't care what he looks like. He doesn't care what his health is. He just wants to smoke his pipe and eat. <laughs> what do you get an uncle like that for Christmas? Everybody's got one, at least one. And then guys, oh my gosh, it's panic time. I was going to go weeks before Christmas and get it done. But I don't know what to buy her for Christmas now. And so it's panic time. You get in the shopping mode. You go into town and, oh my gosh, you can't move. There's no parking places. Every store is full of people doing the same thing that you're doing. But you got to get it done. You got to get it done. So let me tell you what we're going to do here. We're going to break tradition. I can do that on this show. You know I own this show. And so I can break some tradition. And we have been playing a song, a Christmas song, at the beginning of the show. And then we always go out of the show every day with a song. We're playing another Christmas song. At the end of the show, I'm going to break tradition. And I'm going to break tradition with what is recognized as the number one all-time Christmas tune. One a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. Oh 
that have played another Christmas song? <laughs> I, I kind of doubt it. That, uh, that's the most liked Christmas song. And it's one of those songs that's been out for, gosh, I don't know, 20 years or so. You either like it or you hate it. Have you ever had a Christmas song that when you are listening to your favorite radio station and it comes on, it it bugs you so bad that you change the channel? Let me tell you a quick story. In my uh, first professional life, I was in radio back in 19... Uh, 85, 86, I was doing the morning show on KVKI in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, and one thing, if you're in radio, one thing that everybody that is in radio hates the most, it's Christmas songs during the Christmas season. Why is that? Well, usually you do a four-hour air shift And the big-time Christmas songs, the ones that everybody likes, like that one you just heard, All I Want for Christmas is You, it's put in what's called rotation. And the computer picks the music based upon the rotation um, algorithm, I guess. Now you call it that. That determines what songs are the most like. And typically, a song will come up twice. A good one will come up twice in your four-hour air shift. And so you play it so much, the two weeks in the run-up to Christmas, that you hate it. (laughs) You hate it for your lifetime. Now, there was a song, I think it was 85, 86, maybe 87, that came out. And it was kind of a freaky song. One of those that, you know, it's not a typical, it doesn't sound like Christmas. And the name of it is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And I'll never forget, I wasn't the program director at the station, but I was doing the morning show with uh, my co-host, Mimi Page, who's passed away since then. Billy Wilson was the general manager of the radio station. So the program director put the song in high rotation. And the first morning that I had ever heard the song, it came up during the morning show. It's about, I guess, eight maybe 8.30, uh, we played that that song. And, of course, it, it's a novelty song. I don't even know if it's still around. Um, and so there were a lot of people that liked it for, you know, an hour or two, less than a day because it, it really doesn't sound like a Christmas song. Billy Wilson, the general manager, parked in the back of the station, and he banged the door open, the outside door, and he walked into the studio And he said, and I won't use his language, you can gather what it probably sounded like, but he said, what is that reindeer song you played? And I told him, it's Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Bob, and I can't remember his name, was a program director, and he said, where's that SOB Bob that put it in rotation? And he pointed his finger at me, and he said, this is what he said, If I ever hear you play that song again, I'll fire you on the spot. Get rid of it. (laughs) It's one of those songs, as I said, it's a novelty song. Now I've got your interest peaked. I'm going to see if I can find it. And listen, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. This is my show. It's my show. It's your show, and we share the show. 
But I bet you most of you have never heard Grandma got run over by a reindeer. So I'm going to do everything I can. Everything. I'm going to find that song if it's still out there. And tomorrow, which is the last day for TNN Live before Christmas, you are going to be immersed in Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Okay. Let's do a Jen Psaki, a circle back. Let's go back to business this morning, Thursday morning. We've got about 45 minutes left on the show. Still some very important things to talk about. We've got the southern border stuff coming up. We'll get into that. But before then, we got to get into the Volodymyr Zelensky trip to the United States yesterday and going to Congress, going to Congress and speaking. Now, the fact that that happened in itself is unbelievable. I mean, this is a guy, he is a former stand-up comic. That's what he was doing, doing some acting, literally <laughs> acting and doing some stand-up comedy. That's the hand-picked person, the best possible person that could be elected as president of the nation of Ukraine. And there are a lot of people that don't, they feel like it wasn't, a real election that he was handpicked by some real big and very powerful political players in Europe. They wanted him there. And so they put him there. He does have a way of seeming like just a good old guy. You know, he's one of those guys, you see him in a bad situation and I'm not trying to diminish what's going on in Ukraine right now. It's atrocious. It's horrible. We could sit here for the last 45 minutes of the show and talk about the exact travesties that have been happening every day all across this. It's a huge geographical section of uh, that part of Europe. Ukraine, it's a big nation. And the Russians are just slaughtering people. I mean, they find, you don't hear about this anymore, but they find graves in these towns when they get back in after they've uh, pushed the Russian military out on a couple of the edges of two towns that I know of, there were mass graves where 60, 70, 80, 100 Ukrainian people that have been killed by the Russian forces are just thrown into this big hole. You can call it a mass grave if you want to, but it's little more than a big hole. Think about that ever happening in the United States of America. American people feel sorry for any country that is being invaded like this one's being invaded by the greatest despot on the planet, that would be Vladimir Putin of Russia. So Vladimir is his name, president of Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky, he came to town and he spoke before the U.S. Congress last, last night. Tucker Carlson, after the speech, he weighed in on it. And I want you to listen to Tucker, his thoughts and his feelings about Zelensky being here and doing what he did. As far as we know, no one's ever addressed the United States Congress in a sweatshirt before, but they love him much more than they love you. Welcome to Tucker Carlson's site. Remember when Sam Bankman-Fried showed up in Washington wearing a T-shirt and spouting nonsense and all the self-described geniuses declared him a hero? The media, the Congress, the White House, they all love this weird little guy called Sam Bankman-Fried. Do you remember that? Somehow we were reminded of it today when the president of Ukraine arrived at the White House dressed like the manager of a strip club and started to demand money. 
Amazingly, no one threw him out. Instead, they did whatever he wanted. American taxpayers declared Joe Biden will continue to give Zelensky whatever he demands for, quote, as long as it takes. Tellingly, Biden never specified what it is. As long as it takes to do what? Push the Russian army back to pre-invasion borders? Sounds reasonable. That's what most Americans likely assume, those who are still paying attention. But that is not what Zelensky means, and it is not what he is asking for. Zelensky is demanding regime change in Russia, just like in Iraq, in Libya, and a long list of other failed states, except this time in the heart of the Eurasian landmass, next door to the entire civilized world. That's what Zelensky has called for repeatedly, and every dollar we send to him goes toward that end. At this point, he's getting a lot closer to achieving it. So what happens if he, quote, wins? What does the ensuing chaos look like? Thought about that? Who's going to secure the world's largest nuclear arsenal once we help Zelensky topple the Russian government? Who replaces Putin? Strangely, those topics did not come up today. Because that wasn't the point. The point of today's visit to Washington was not to make the world more stable or make wise decisions, much less to help America. That's always at the bottom of the list. The point was to fawn over the Ukrainian strip club manager and hand him billions more dollars from our own crumbling economy. It is hard. In fact, it may be impossible to imagine a more humiliating scenario for the greatest country on earth. And we would love to blame Joe Biden for it, but we can't really, not entirely at least. This was bipartisan masochism. The Uniparty is alive and well, despite the best efforts of voters, including last month. And if you doubt that it's alive and well, here's a picture of Zelensky that he had taken with a group of elderly Republican senators in Kiev back in May. They stand grinning next to him in their orthopedic shoes, 70-year-old Susan Collins, John Barrasso, John Cornyn, led by their 80-year-old ringleader, Mitch McConnell. 44-year-old Zelensky poses between them in a skin-tight polo shirt, flexing like a weightlifter and trying to look ferocious. They seem awestruck. Not since a young Fidel Castro showed up in New York wearing battle fatigues has this country's aging leadership class tittered more loudly in delight. They love a man in uniform. What a hunk. So strong and decisive. Look at the expression of Mitch McConnell's face. You can almost hear the giggles of pleasure. No rational person assessing the issues ever would have predicted this moment. If you were a Republican office holder and Zelensky came to Washington, maybe you would, for a moment, ask him about his current and ongoing war against Christianity in Ukraine, especially if you were, say, Mitch McConnell or John Cornyn, and a lot of your own voters go to church on Sunday. They might care about that issue. But McConnell and Cornyn didn't mention that. They didn't say a word. You will not hear a word on television tonight about the fact that Zelensky has banned an entire ancient Christian denomination in Ukraine and then seized churches and then thrown priests into jail. According to Mitch McConnell, who apparently hasn't left his office since the mid-80s, Anti-Christian despotism is what most Republicans want above all. They don't get enough. They're just begging for it. Watch McConnell explain. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. And two other senators stand behind him, nodding like it's true. Defeating Putin is, quote, the number one priority among Republicans, says Mitch McConnell, who leads Republicans in the Senate. Number one before our own economy or our own children's schools or, for that matter, before the more than 2,000 young people killed last year by fentanyl in Mitch McConnell's, quote, home state of Kentucky. Punishing Vladimir Putin for putting Donald Trump in office is more important than all of that says Mitch McConnell. Ukraine's borders matter. Ours don't matter. 
You may have suspected they thought that, <laughs> but at this point, they're just coming out and saying it's right in your face. And of course, the White House agrees completely. Watch Mitch McConnell announce today that you'll be paying for ever more advanced weapon systems to be sent to Ukraine, whether you like it or not. We're going to continue to strengthen Ukraine's ability to defend itself, particularly air defense, and that's why we're going to be providing Ukraine with Patriot missile battery. And, uh, and training your forces to be able to accurately use it. He's reading his little script. Maybe it was written by the defense contractors that just hosted an event in Washington for the Ukrainian ambassador. Literally, they put their logos on the invitation, just in case there was any question about what's going on here. So this is a big change from what we had, say, last month. But you wouldn't know that from the media coverage of it. Your average reporter in Washington likes Zelensky a lot more than he likes you. So nobody asked about it, but this is a major policy change. It was just a few months ago that a senior U.S. defense official said, and we're quoting, there is no discussion about putting a Patriot battery in Ukraine. In order to do that, you would have to put U.S. troops with it to operate. In other words, you would have to fight a hot war against Russia, which has not only not been approved by the Congress, but most Americans have no idea that's happening. But now it is happening. Did you know that? Are you for that? Is it the most important thing? More important than your nephew dying of fentanyl? Yes, says Mitch McConnell. But it's just the beginning. Because as you just saw, Zelensky has arrived in Washington to make more demands. He's the house guest who would not leave. And every moment we tolerate him, the demands become bigger. In case you missed it, here's part of what he said just a moment ago. Financial, financial assistance is also critically important. And I would like to thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for both financial packages you have already provided us with and the ones you may be willing to decide on. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. So the leader of a foreign government dressed in a sweatshirt waltzes into the United States Congress and starts demanding money and then has the gall to tell the people sitting there who are giving him tens of billions of dollars more of your money that it's not charity, it's an investment. Really, what are the returns on that? And by the way, what's the point of it? What is the goal here? What's the justification for it? Do we have a historic debt to Ukraine? Do we have a historic animosity with a non-Soviet Russia? No, no. How do we win here? What's in it for us? Isn't this our country? And where do you get off talking to us like that? Do we hate ourselves so much? Do we have so little respect for the United States of America that we'll put up with that, that we'll applaud it? Thank you, sir. May I have another? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with our leaders? And where's this going? As usual, Tucker Carlson nails it on the head. I bet you didn't know that the Ukrainian government is so negative about Christianity. Bet you didn't know that. I mean, they, they've shut, and he, Volodymyr Zelensky, has shut down, totally outlawed one Christian denomination and has shut down multitudes of churches, Christian churches. And yet he stands up in front of the American people like a gladiator that everybody loves, on their feet, applauding, and that we've sent him a hundred billion Dollars, almost total, combined cash with military equipment. 
And as you heard on this show two weeks ago, Dunstan Teo, who is the cryptocurrency guru on the earth and owns, personally owns, more Bitcoin than any other human being. He's a multi-billionaire. And on this show, he told us that every dime in cash up until that point, maybe not since then, but every dime in cash that the United States has sent to Ukraine was sent as cryptocurrency and went through FTX, that exchange. Sam Bankman-Fried, he's in the United States today. He's been indicted for screwing a whole bunch of people out of money through FTX. His mother, by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried's mother, is the chief financial officer of the Clinton campaign. What are you saying, Dan? Well, I didn't say it. Dunstan Teo said a bunch of that money that was turned into cryptocurrency in the United States and was quote-unquote sent to Ukraine didn't go to Ukraine. It went to other people. Politicos, heavyweight politicos in the United States. The Clinton Foundation was one. The Obama Foundation, according to Dunstan, is another. And in cryptocurrency, you got to remember, it's totally secretive. The only people that know about it are the people that sent it and the people that got it. And it's basically untraceable. Maybe cryptocurrency is a new way for grafting corruption in the political world. I don't know about that. But here we are in the United States of America. We're $31 trillion in debt. We have other financial liabilities of things like uh, taking over corporations, taking over student debt, taking over retirement programs. And, of course, we have Social Security and Medicare that are liabilities the federal government's got to pay. If you factor all of that in, that's not right now just so-called debt, federal government owes almost $200 trillion to people. Many of those people are you and me. And Vladimir Zelensky stands up there, and you just heard Mitch McConnell say, beating Russia and freeing Ukraine is the most important thing to the American people. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Yesterday, he said that Russia's war in Ukraine will end when President Vladimir Putin is taken out by somebody in Russia. Anchor John Roberts asked him, when you say all in, Senator, would you agree to give Zelensky what he says he wants, which is the long-range attack artillery missiles? Would you give him Great Eagle drones? Would you give him Reaper drones? Would you give him all that? Graham said, I would give him the ability to dislodge Russians from his country. Right now, the Biden administration has done more, and I appreciate doing more, but not the offensive capability to dislodge the Russians from the east, particularly Crimea. So the longer-range weapons would hurt the Russian military more effectively. The drones would be the biggest game-changer. Graham added, how does this war end? When Russia breaks, 
and they take Putin out. Anything short of that, the war is going to continue. To ask the Ukrainians to give Russia part of the country after all this death and destruction is not going to happen. To signal a ceasefire, Russia would take the opportunity to rearm and come at them again. So we're in it to win it. And the only way you're going to win it is to break the Russian military and have somebody in Russia take Putin out to give the Russian people a new lease on life. Now, Lindsey Graham is a military guy. He's currently, I mean, he's way, way, way up in the, in the National Guard in the state of South Carolina. He understands military better than I do. But I got to be honest with you. We've sent, we don't even know how much we've sent. In just a minute, we're going to ask, where has our Ukrainian money that we've sent them, where has it gone? Is there an audit possible? You and I both know the answer to that is a resounding no. We don't know. But according to Lindsey Graham, the war is going to keep going until somebody takes Vladimir Putin out. Now, let me just say this. We're going to go to break, but let me just say this. There are lots of Russians that disagree with Vladimir Putin, that disagree with much of the things that he has done. Why doesn't one of them take Vladimir Putin out? Why doesn't a group of them take Vladimir Putin out? According to Lindsey Graham, that would end the war. Why doesn't our CIA, that is way up into everything regarding governments, foreign governments around the world, as it pertains to us and liberty and peace, why doesn't our CIA have somebody take Vladimir Putin out? Why don't they plan that? Well, if they did, they wouldn't be telling you and I about it. Maybe they've got plans. But if they do... And somebody's listening to me from Langley, Virginia, which they do pretty regularly. I haven't looked today to see. Maybe they hear this message. Hey, guys, Senator Graham said the war is going to keep going until somebody takes Vladimir Putin out. Do you get that? That's Lindsey Graham. Why don't y'all think about going and doing that? Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live, the Truth News Network. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh huh. Yes, I what? No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of president. <laughs> so, uh, what are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you, you hang up. So help me God. You hang Congratulations. up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN. 
the Truth News Network. Well, obviously, it's not President's Day. <laughs> that commercial, I don't care who you are, that's funny right there. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh, somebody taking a phone call while they're being sworn in as president. I don't think that's ever happened. I doubt very seriously if it's going to happen again. So let's circle back. Let's circle back to Ukraine and ask this question together. How is all that money that we've sent, tens of billions of dollars, and folks, you got you got to remember, Joe Biden unilaterally, he just started writing checks and sending it. Writing check after check after check. Bragged about it. We're sending this much, $2.3 billion more. And it just... The numbers keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting any kind of um, record or um, status of what our money, our tax dollar money, that we're going to have to pay. We don't have the money to pay it. We're going to have to pay. Somebody's going to have to pay the bill eventually. Certainly it's not going to be Vladimir Zelensky in the nation of Ukraine He said last night in that speech, don't look at the money you're sending us as as charity. It's investing. It's investing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at an investment, when I I put money in my 401k every month, I look at that as an investment. It's mine. I get to keep it. I'm putting it in an account, and it's being invested to make that money I put in there worth a whole lot more when I retire. That's an investment. Sending American taxpayer dollars that we don't have, in other words, borrowing the money and sending it to Volodymyr Zelensky, there's no way that's an investment. That is an an expense, a direct expense to the American people. Why are we doing that? Why aren't the NATO nations that are right there surrounding Ukraine, why aren't they carrying the lion's share of joining in with Ukraine and fighting Russia? After all, those are the nations that are in the firing line for Vladimir Putin. You don't think for a second that if Putin is successful in Ukraine, he's going to stop in Ukraine. Uh Uh-uh. He'll, he'll suck all the resources that are left in Ukraine out of the country. And he'll take those resources, add it to the resources that he has, and keep on trucking across Europe. Who knows where he's going to end up. But I thought it was, uh, it was pretty spiteful of Zelensky to tell the American people, don't look that the money you gave Ukraine as charity, it's an investment. It may be an investment for Volodymyr Zelensky, but it's certainly not for us. So where, oh where, is that $100 billion going to in Ukraine? Joining us now, Congresswoman Kat Kamp from House Homeland Security and Grover Norquist, the president of Americans for Tax Reform. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you both. Okay, Ukraine is in the fight of its life. It's fighting for its freedom. Mm-hmm. It's getting $45 billion more, Congresswoman. But GOP lawmakers are asking, where are the checks and balances? There was a special inspector general for Afghanistan spending. How come, how come we don't have it for Ukraine? We don't know if it's totally going to Ukraine's defense. 
No, and that's the crazy part of it, Liz, is that now when you factor in the $45, $47 billion additional that will be going to Ukraine in this omnibus package, that takes that up to about $100 billion. You've got Americans here at home that are demanding accountability on our southwest border. You've got crime rampant. You've got historic inflation. You have a litany of issues that we all are paying for at the behest of this administration. And no one can tell us where this money is going. My heart breaks for the Ukrainians, absolutely. But every American deserves to know where every single dollar has gone. And we need that now before we pass another $47 billion to Ukraine. So what the Congresswoman just said, Gerver, Again, Afghanistan had, it was called SIGTAR. They had the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan spending. But we've got a massive 4,100-page big bang spending bill Congress won't fully read that America's going to have to pay for in higher taxes, higher inflation, and higher interest rates. Mm. Grover. Well, yes, of course, the bill's over 4,100 pages long, and there's another 2,600 pages of explanation of what that means. That's where all the earmarks are stuck in, then the, the explanation part. Uh, th this is poorly done. I mean, it's all thrown together. It's hard to focus on any one piece of it. It's almost as if it was on purpose to make it difficult to find out what was going on and who was getting uh, what. Uh, I would strongly recommend that we bring back a committee we used to have in the United States, an anti-appropriations committee, was put in during World War II to recommend budget reductions. And they would put it on the floor of the House and Senate, and billions of dollars was cut while we were fighting World War II and into the 50s uh, in order to save money uh, so that you could put it into defense. They seriously reduced spending because okay. they had a whole committee whose job was to, where could we save money? It's time to bring that anti-appropriations committee back into... Yeah, that's interesting. We hear, you know, GOP lawmakers, to Grover's point, you know, Congresswoman, the, the, it seems like the GOP is divided, uh, has divided messaging on this new blowout government spending. Watch this fight. Watch. Before the election, I explained to everybody, no more blank checks for Ukraine. We want to make sure where the money spent. They're passing, trying to pass this where nobody can read it. They never moved these bills through the light of day. They never had a hearing in the process. So let's step back and say, what are the real needs of the country right now? They're in the defense part of our expenditures, making sure the Defense Department can deal <clears throat> with the major threats coming from Russia and China providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. I'm pretty proud of the fact that with a Democratic president, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate, we were able to achieve through this omnibus spending bill, essentially all of our priorities. The American people don't want this. They're sick and tired of it. They're paying for it through the nose with inflation. Adding a trillion dollars to the deficit will simply fuel the fires that are consuming our wages and consuming our retirement plans. Uh, Congresswoman, why is Senator McConnell saying the number one issue facing Americans is, is Ukraine when voter polls in the midterm show that voters' number one issue was the economy, inflation, also crime on the border? Your reaction? 
You know, I can't speak for Senator McConnell, but what I can tell you is folks back home are concerned about making rent. They're concerned about the fact that they're behind on their utility bills. Today, more than $16 billion is owed in utility bills alone. I represent a district that is very rural and has a senior population on fixed income. So the concerns of my district, along with many others across the United States, is the issues here domestically. But Security, is it Ukraine? Inflation. Do your voters care about Ukraine? No, no. Okay. No, I mean, everybody, everybody, again, collectively, we feel in our hearts that this is an unjustified, unprovoked war. Our hearts break for the people of yeah. Ukraine, but we cannot be funding both sides of this war. We just saw the Biden regime release the merchant of death on one hand, who's going to be providing arms, shells from North Korea, drones from Iran, and funding the terror on that side of the, the Russian side of the war. And then simultaneously, we're bankrolling the Ukrainians. What is the message here? It's ridiculous. And I will say this. If you have to pass something into the dead of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's not because you want people to know what's in it. It's because you're trying to hide it. And this has 98% of all of the Democrat earmarks. It speaks volumes of what's in it. It's not American priorities. It's the Democrats' priorities. So to what the congressman is saying, you know, Grover, Americans do feel for Ukraine, right? It's terrible what's happening in Ukraine. But a new NPR PBS Marist national poll most Americans, six out of ten, have no confidence that Democrats and Republicans will work together in Congress in a bipartisan way. And you have Americans are about to face this new 1099 reporting nightmare. And that is the uh, there's a push by Senator Bill Haggerty and Senator Joe Manchin. Senator Joe Manchin is talking more and more like he will become an independent and go to that party that, you know, this six hundred dollar threshold for, you know, Venmo and PayPal apps. Right, uh, the transactions. Grover, this is a reporting nightmare for Americans. Now there's a push to raise it to 10,000. You know what I mean? So what, what is with all the paperwork? What are Democrats doing here? Okay. What the Democrats did was say, if, if you get $600 in the course of a year through PayPal or, or Venmo or any of the various uh, areas, eBay and so on, that the company is going to send to the IRS that you got $600 or $700 or whatever it is. And then you have to prove it's not income. Maybe you were splitting rent. Uh, maybe you were sending money back and forth between family members. Uh, any number of things. Uh, or you sold an old motorcycle that cost you twice as much as what you sold it for. But unless you have the receipts for all of the things that you're selling at some point, you're going to be hit with a note from the IRS, you owe us money on this, how would you like to be audited? Tens of millions of these are going out. It's a disaster. Um, the, the, the mansion bill is, is not getting the support now from Haggerty. What they're going for instead is a one-year uh, delay of this so we can kill it next year. And that's both the uh, two women, the senators and the congressman from West Virginia, Got it. That's, putting that uh, forward. It's unbelievable. Paperwork nightmare. nightmare. I don't know about you, but uh, Ukraine is not in my top 10 of most important things for the United States. If I had to stand them up and determine top to bottom, which is most important, least important, but it is important down at the bottom. And that would be in my top like 20, maybe 30. I don't know why this fixation on Ukraine, unless, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist normally, but anytime there's a question about something out there, what have I always told you here at TNN Live? When you have a question and it involves money, follow 
the money. Follow the money. Where is all this money? Now approaching $100 billion the U.S. has paid to Ukraine for their war effort. We're underwriting well over half of the cost of the Ukraine war, the invasion of Vladimir Putin and Russia. Where's all that money? Does anybody know? Has anybody asked? I don't know. I've not heard a thing about that. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the... I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Hey, I got some good news for you, and I'm going to give that good news to you in just a few minutes, so sit tight. We've got some news, some information that just came in. Two associates of FTX boss Sam Bankman-Fried have pled guilty to criminal charges related to the collapse of the FTX cryptocurrency exchange. Carolyn Ellison, the former CEO of Alameda Research, and Gary Wang, who co-founded FTX along with Bankman-Fried, pled guilty to charges with their roles in the fraud that contributed to FTX's collapse. That's according to U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams. Both Ellison, 28 years old, and Wang, 29, pled guilty to a couple of counts including wire fraud, securities fraud, and commodities fraud in agreements signed with prosecutors in return for leniency in their sentences. They are cooperating with investigators, we're told. Williams, this investigator, said that anyone 
who participated in misconduct at FTX or Alameda should reach out to his office and get ahead of it, noting that we are moving quickly and our patience is not eternal. Ellison pled guilty to seven counts, including wire fraud and conspiracy to commit securities fraud. That's according to her plea agreement she signed. The Wall Street Journal reported this. Wang pled guilty to four counts, including wire fraud. So what does this mean to them? Listen to this. Ellison, who also faces a money laundering conspiracy charge, could face up to 110 years behind bars. Wang is a former Google engineer, could get up to 50 years. Both posted $250,000 in bail after their privately held court appearances with travel restricted to the continental United States. Elon Graff, a lawyer for Wang, said in a statement, Gary has accepted responsibility for his actions, takes seriously his obligations as a cooperating witness. Well, maybe there is something there. But I got to be honest with you, I won't be uh, singing any praises or getting excited unless and until I hear that some of the money that just mysteriously disappeared, and we're talking about billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of people's investment funds. I'm not going to clap my hands until we hear that a big chunk of that has been recovered. If not, this will go down as the worst investment fraud and serious theft of people's money and investment entities history. And this from a guy in his 20s? It is unthinkable that people fell for that, but they did. Some January 6th news that I thought was important. Five Republicans initially set to serve on the January 6th committee released a report yesterday of findings from their investigation into the U.S. Capitol security preparedness ahead of that riot in 2021. It's a 141-page report. Nobody's talking about this, but it explores at length the security measures that were taken leading up to the events of January 6th, an issue, they say, the January 6th committee has ignored. The report serves as a counter-document to the select committee's anticipated monstrous conclusive report, which is going to come out this week after the committee holds a final public meeting. Leadership and law enforcement failures within the Capitol left the complex vulnerable on January 6th. The Democrat-led investigation in the House has disregarded these institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day. The committee, nine-member panel of seven Democrats, two never-Trump Republicans, the latter of whom are finishing out their final days in office, they've spent 18 months investigating the riot with an outsized and very publicized focus on Donald Trump. The executive summary of this committee's report lists 17 key findings from their investigation. The first 12 zero in on Trump himself. The last five focus on security measures and intelligence gathering. The Republican report was repaired under the directions of Representatives Jim Banks, Jim Jordan, 
Rodney Davis, Troy Nels, Kelly Armstrong. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy had initially appointed these five to serve on the January 6th committee, but Nancy Pelosi rejected Banks and Jordan. After that, McCarthy pulled them all out, and he said, look, never before in history in the United States Congress has one leader, political party leader, that controls the majority in the House or even in the Senate Anytime something like this is put up, the leader gets to pick, the majority leader gets to pick the majority of the people that serve on such a committee. And then the minority leader chooses the other members. And typically, that leader's party members will be in the majority on the committee. Never before has happened what Nancy Pelosi did. She said no to some people that McCarthy had appointed to do it. And she handpicked the only Republicans that she would allow on that committee. Just keep in mind this. No witness was cross-examined. Not a single witness that came before the committee was cross-examined. Republicans were not allowed to even enter anything into the record. Think about that. They couldn't enter any evidence that would refute the perspective put out by all of these uh, Democrats. They couldn't even do it. And Republicans couldn't even look at the evidence and see what all of this has been based on. Does that sound like fair? No, it doesn't. Absolutely it doesn't. Nobody in their right mind could make a statement that this thing has been fair. That's going to do it for today. Now, tomorrow, our last day before Christmas, you'll be glad to know I found it. I found the song. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. (laughs) You'll hear it tomorrow. See you then. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me Please have snow And mistletoe And presents on Christmas Eve will find me where the love light If only in my dream 